Would you like to see the roots of your Christian faith? Follow Jesus' footsteps and marvel at the places where biblical prophecy is unfolding? Well, you can this summer. Join me, Bill Bunkley, and Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold on our pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan. You'll learn Israel's history from our guide, Boaz Shalgi, prophecy from Pastor Yankee, and biblical teaching from me. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. Born to die That He might give Eternal life That I might live And turn my darkness Hold your place right here, but look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14. 1 Corinthians and chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And notice what he says in verse 9. In verse 9, he kind of puts it down as simple as you can get it. And this is something that you and I need to always remember. In verse 9 says, So likewise ye, except... Ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. So if you're going to tell somebody and speak to somebody, you want to use words they can understand. This is why even in church, there's a lot of big fancy words that I could throw out, but it won't accomplish. People will think you're smart, intelligent. But they, if they don't understand what you said, maybe it's better not to use those words. Simple things, simple words. Words easy to be understood. And this is why it is so important. Uh, look at another scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians and chapter 2. This is where Paul gives part of his testimony. And... Um, he lets you know about, well, his ability to speak. You know, whenever you read in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, he talks about, you know, that he didn't have clarity of mind and speaking that good, and so he wanted the Lord to get somebody else. And the Lord said, Have not I made man's mouth, and so on. But notice what he says in chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I did not come using great swelling words to impress you, but he used simple words. He says, because I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to give the gospel, the good news. I want you to understand that. Now notice what he says in verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. See, most people think, well, if you're going to serve the Lord, you, you, you don't want to be afraid. There's always the element of fear. And you're afraid sometimes even to pass out of track. 
I know a person that used to just go into a clothing store and they would just go to the uh, coat racks and shirt racks and they would just put tracks in all the shirt pockets. So when somebody bought the shirt or the coat, they, you know, you say, who did that? <laughs> Ray Stanford. When he lost his platform. And so he began to just do what he could do. And so he would spend hours going from store to store and he would, he would do that. He'd put tracks everywhere. Wally Murillo, who had the, the tracks that they were using at the time, and he would send them out, and people would order those tracks because they found a track in some coat or shirt pocket. And, uh, so that, but that's what he did, and they would order tracks because they wanted some more. And uh, we, we're starting to get some of that now. People are ordering tracks from Canada and you know, Britain and Australia and a lot of states that love our little light blue heaven track and say they order the track. But notice what he says here. In verse 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And the reason was so that you wouldn't be so thrilled over his great oratory and exalt him in an area that had nothing to do with the gospel so that you listen to what he had to say instead of just being impressed with his great knowledge. Now, the Bible tells us that he was trained and set at the feet of Gamaliel, so he really knew the law. He could have said a lot of things, but he chose not to do that. So in verse um, 5, he says, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world. So, and in verse 7, talks about, but we speak. And this is why he had the people say, pray for me that I may open my mouth with boldness, that I may speak with confidence and so on. Why? Because Paul was afraid. He, would have, he was afeared. <laughs> and he needed people to pray for him. And he didn't use great swelling words to impress people. And I've had people say, well, you know, I just can't talk that good. I can't talk that Well, what in the world do you think Paul was? But he did it anyway. And that's the thing is to learn how to do what God wants you to do anyway. And you'd be surprised how far that may go. I thought it was interesting. Uh, two weeks ago when I had the radio broadcast, I uh, got through and this lady comes up to me and she says, you know, there's a guy that who listens to you. He listens to you every week. And he thinks your radio broadcast is the best that's on radio. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And um, sometimes it's hard to know how to handle some kind of flattery. You know, when somebody flatters you, you don't know what, how, what to do. You don't want to become prideful and braggadocious, and, and yet they appreciate it, so okay, thank you. And um, says, he'd love to meet you. I said, well, I'll be here next Friday morning. <laughs> and so she arranged it, and uh, lo and behold, after the radio broadcast, I got through, and there's this guy. And so we went out to get something to eat, and uh, just to talk, just to talk. And uh, he has, uh, he's the executive vice president of 53 McDonald restaurants. 
And uh, he says, I listen to a lot of these preachers, and he says, you are one of the best, and I love what you preach. So we had a good time talking. And so that was about it. And I gave him a couple books that uh, you know, I had, especially the ones on the gospel-driven man. I like to give that one out. Because if there's anything to help make it clear, that book is simple. It's clear, easy to understand. So anyway, that's you're just going through life. All we're doing is influencing somebody. You influence somebody. So influence them in the right direction. Also look in 2 Corinthians in chapter 3. We're right there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then there's another little verse in here that would be very wise to underline it because it's such a beautiful verse. So simple. So simple. And look what he says here. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 3, look what he says in verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Isn't that a good verse? Just use great plainness of speech. The reason that I do the Walland illustration all the time, exactly the same way, almost word for word, because people will learn it. And they'll learn it without even trying. I've had people tell me, says, you know, I use that Walland illustration that you use. He says, and I did it exactly like you do it. Because they learn how to do it. You're memorizing it every time you see it. Even though you don't have to try to memorize it, but you can memorize it. And you follow the same sequence. And sometimes I've watched people that be sitting there and they're, and they're doing this. They've got the hand on there and they're doing this here. and, they're, and they're, I'm watching. I can see them. And, and, they're, and they're doing it. They're practicing. And so I figure if, if they lead somebody to the Lord, wouldn't that be wonderful? Learn how to do it. I've had people say, well, how do you do it whenever you uh, are actually talking to a real person? So, well, if you'll watch in church service, I'm talking to real people. And it doesn't matter if it's one person or a hundred people. I do it the same way. When I'm talking to people at a store or a grocery store or, you know, service station or wherever, I, said, I tell them the same thing. And if you hear me here and you heard me there, it's the same thing. It doesn't have to change. When I come to the church service, now I get ready to give you a I don't usually come across. And now, heads bowed. Oh, God, look down upon these sinners. I don't go that away. I, I don't talk that away. But I can go ahead and explain the gospel just as simple and clear and talk to somebody. So that's what I do out there. And so if I was talking to somebody at a restaurant, I said, now, would you come down the aisle? <laughs> I don't do that in the and I don't have to say, would you raise your hand? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise it here. You don't have to pray. You don't have to, but would you believe it? Use simple things. Stay clear. Stay simple. Look in Second Thessalonians. Make it First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. We always have the kids learn this verse. All the college kids have to learn this verse. In First Thessalonians, in chapter 2, there's a, a verse here that's just really important. Four and five, really. Where it says in verse four, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. Somebody's got to do it. You see, if it's not you and me, okay, who? If we're not responsible, okay, just tell me, who is? If I'm not responsible, who is? You're not responsible. Well, who is? I mean, all the people in the whole of the world, if we're not, are we less 
or more than anybody else? If we don't do it, who does it? So he says, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we, and look at those two words, flattering words. Flattering words. Because sometimes we just want to flatter somebody. But when you tell them, look, we've all sinned, that may not be too flattering. <laughs> I've had people tell me, look, I don't know about you, mister, but I've never killed anybody and I've never robbed a bank. I said, yeah, but we're still sinners. Speak for yourself. Oh, boy. Now, they know that they've done bad, but they're not that bad. I mean, they're not that bad. So, you know, if you're not that bad, you shouldn't go to hell, right? Hell is for people that are really bad. And there's a lot of people who don't, I'm not that bad. I'm bad, but not that bad. And then you have to explain to them, are you perfect? Well, nobody's perfect. That's the point. So you know you're a sinner, and I know you're a sinner, and you know that I'm a sinner because we're not perfect. And that's what it is. So anyway, there's some good verses that needs to be always used, explained, helping a person to understand this. All right, look back there in chapter 8 and verse 31. And he says, how can I accept some man should guide me? You think some man could also refer to a woman. <laughs> Unless some woman should. There's a lot of good women soul winners. Uh, we have one missionary lady that's going to be coming. Her name is, uh, it was Peggy Burt. And now it's Peggy Sperling. And she was one of the first students that we had in Colorado. And so, you know, that was a long time ago. She graduated about 78 or 79, probably 79, something like that. You know, I don't know exactly how long ago that was, but that was a, that was a long time ago. That's, that's a long time ago. And uh, it's, I remember when she was just a little girl. And now she's married, got kids. And her kids have got kids. And now she's a missionary. And she was a great soul winner. She worked in the bus routes and always come to ranch bringing kids. And um, Brenda Whitgren did the same thing, but she died last year. And she was on that video that they did for a WANA program. And they had Greg Steer on there, and then they had uh, Brenda Whitgren, whose name now is Sauter. And, uh, but I trained both of them, and here they are on the international WANA stage on a video that they sent all around the world. And now she's, she's been passed on. She had an embryism or something that busted, and she was like that. She was healthier. Everything fine. Next moment, just died. I just got a, another letter this morning from, uh, I went to school with a Larry Lashbrook and his sister. Uh, just died, I guess. I don't know if it was last night or this morning. And they just sent out a thing about that. And a lot of people that went to Florida Bible College, you know, uh, well, we're, you know, 20, 21, 22, 25 years old. 50 years later, we're in our 70s. And a lot of them are passing away. And we had somebody last week, one of the alumni, another one, passed away. So we're, um, and there are no more alumni, so they're getting smaller and smaller and fewer and fewer, you know. So we know that one of these days we're going to, at the Lord Terry's, we're going to be checking out of here. I was talking to uh, Jim Blevins there this morning down here at the front while y'all were having choir practice. And we're talking about how long we're going to live <laughs> or how much time we got left. So we just want to do all that we can while we can because we know that, hey, it's only sensible to realize 
we're running out of time. If you've already done gotten to your 70s, you know you're not going to live another 70 years. <laughs> well, I can try. But we don't have an idea, a clue. But anyway, look there at the next verse. When he says in verse 32, the place of the Scripture. The place of the Scripture. Now, he has to know the Bible because he was able to go to the very same place and evidently he had already studied and he knew what the Scripture was talking about. And this is why we should prepare. Study the Bible. Know some salvation verses so that when somebody asks a question, you can have an answer. You may not know everything, but you can know a lot. You know, I've had people ask me questions. You know, that's a good question. But um, I don't know the answer to that. But I know this. Let me show you this. And I go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And they want to jump over there to James chapter 2. I said, well, before we go to that verse, if I don't even go to it, I said, that verse is still going to be there, right? Yeah. But that verse, if we go to it, it's not going to contradict this verse, is it? Well, no, no, because they know the Bible. Well, if it's not going to contradict this verse, why don't we just stay here with this verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And so you have to sometimes outsmart them. I guess you could call it a little wit. But it's really, you're trying to find a way to get their mind back on the clarity of the gospel. But it says in verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a, a lamb dumb before his shears, so he opened a not his mouth. This is where he's talking about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, and we know that it was in Isaiah 53. At that time, they didn't have it broke down into chapters. And he says here, in verse 38, in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. In other words, Jesus never got married, never had any kids. There is no generation. He was cut off out of the land of the living. And he died not because of some wrong he did, but he died for others. And so, as you read it, and it talks about he had laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Remember, all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And so he says in verse 34, And the eunuch answered Philip, said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So that's how we know that these scriptures are talking about that. So that's why it's so important to know the Bible. And the Bible talks about that knowing the Word of God, how you ought to answer every man, how you ought to be able to answer a person who asks you a reason of the hope that lies within you. And so he says, he answered in verse 36, And as they went on their Way they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So there's something that you need to know. Water baptism does not save. Water baptism does not wash your sins away. Water baptism doesn't wash the dirt off your neck unless you use soap with it. Water baptism is a picture. He had just finished explaining the gospel in the book of Isaiah 53. And when he explains the gospel, he has to talk about Jesus Christ, who grew up as a tender plant, a green tree, who had no sin, did not have to die, and became sin for us. So Jesus Christ became sin for us, 
He was crucified. And in Isaiah 53, it talks about Jesus coming back again from the dead. And it talks about how that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus Christ made. And that when you and I are saved and believe that He did that for us, then you are to be water baptized. Water baptism does not save anybody. It's a picture of your salvation. You see, when you stand in the water, it's a picture of Christ on the cross. When you go under the water, it's a picture of your burial. And when you come out of the water, it's a picture of your resurrection. So we believe that when Christ died on the cross, he was buried and rose again. But who did he do it for? He did that for me. He did it for you. So when I believe he did that for me, I believe that. But now we're going to take a picture. And being baptized in water is a picture of what you internally believe. It's a way of professing, this is what I believe. And it's not just a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's a picture of your own death, burial, and resurrection. Because he did that for me. And so I realized that I died, and I paid for my sins. And I've now come back from the dead. Now I should walk in newness of life. Not to be saved, but this is what I should do. And some of God's children will. Some of God's children won't. Can you still go to heaven if you've never been baptized? Of course. You can get married and never take a picture. But the wife ain't going to be too happy about that. She wants a lot of pictures. Why? Because they've got to go show people the pictures. The picture doesn't marry any of them. It just shows you that uh, you need to have the evidence that this is what I've done. This is what I believe. Now look what else he says here in verse 37. In verse 37 said, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart. So the only reason you get baptized is if you believe something. This is why it is not correct to baptize babies. Baptize infants who have not received the ability to believe or not believe. Water baptism is for believers. And that's why we call it a believer's baptism. It's not an infant baptism isn't saving anybody. It could cause them to put their hope or trust in, well, I was baptized when I was a baby, or I was confirmed when I was a baby. No, no, no. You can't get baptized until after you have trusted Christ as Savior, after you have believed. He said, here's some water. He said, if thou believest with all thine heart, you may. Because that's not something you do until you believe the right thing. So when he makes a statement here in the last part of verse 37, and he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, what did they just finish reading? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 was the gospel about Jesus Christ coming into the world, dying on the cross, paying for the sins of the world, so that all they had to do is trust Christ as their Savior. Now, notice what he says also. In verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down into the water. They stood. Chariot stood, and they went both down into the water. And the reason you went down into the water is because when you are baptized, you go under the water. And it says, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, if all you needed was just a little cup of water on the top of your head, and just, is that how we bury people? 
laid them on the top of the ground and just sprinkled a couple of pieces of dirt on them. No, you bury the body. And so baptism is a burial. And so um, you do what God says the way God says to do it. People can make up a lot of things and a lot of religions, but you don't have the authority to do that. If you're going to say, well, I believe the Bible, well, then believe the Bible. Go by what the Bible says. And so he says in verse 38, And he commanded the chair to stand still, and they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. And Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now here's the coast of Israel. And you have a place called Gaza, where today is called Gaza Strip. But a little below that is this place called Azotus. And when you talk about Caesarea, well, that's way up here. And so between these two, there's a lot of little cities in between there. So he had already been in the desert, and the Spirit caught him away, put him in this town. He preached there, and then he went city by city by city till he got to Caesarea. And so when they got there, the Bible says that uh, he preached some more. God used him in a wonderful, great way. And you never know where the Lord is going to lead and guide you. I have allowed the Lord to lead me and guide me all over this country and several countries. And uh, it's been wonderful watching to see how God opens up doors and closes doors and all that. It's a wonderful thing. Look up here. This is you and me. This is sin. I got me some beautiful sin this week. Somebody gave me a new wallet. Every time I pull out this wallet, I'm going to think about the person that gave it to me. That's not a good idea. I don't know if that's good or not. I connect him with sin. <laughs> no. This is sin. I mean, you and me. The Bible says that we're all born in this world with a sinful nature, and that's why we sin. God says he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. But the payment for sin, the wages, death and hell. Now, God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. But we're not perfect. We're not righteous. We're sinners. And because of sin, we can't get in. And God says you can't earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. It's not by your good deeds. There is none righteous, not one. There's none that doeth good, not one. So we can't do good to get to heaven because there is none good. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us, loves the whole world. He hates our sin, all of our sins, but he loves us. So he took our sins and he paid for them. Came back from the dead and said, all I have to do is if I'll believe that he did it for me, He'd put that death payment to my account, and I get to go to heaven on what he did. I didn't earn that, and I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. If Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life, and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. If it's eternal life, it lasts forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. And once you trust Christ as Savior, you become a child of God, and you're going to heaven when you die. Now, you may not always live like a Christian, but you still are if you trust the Lord. But your Heavenly Father may have to chasten and discipline you, beat the tar out of you, take you home before your time. 
Serve the Lord. Guard yourself. Be wise. Watch what you see and what you hear. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for the free gift of everlasting life. That we can't earn it, can't work for it, can't buy it. All that we can do is believe that when Christ died, he died for us. And to trust him as our Savior. And because of that, you give us as a gift eternal life. And we can know that we're going to heaven when we die. Father, we ask your blessings now upon the service to follow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.